0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Music. This is Tosh.
1: And I'm Kimley.
0: And each episode, we discuss a book, a particular title book by a musician, or about a musician, or a book about music, or it could be about music history, or it could be a work of fiction with musicians as characters in it. And today, we're going to discuss a memoir or autobiography by Charles Mingus called Beneath the Underdog. His world as composed by Mingus and I have heard about this book for years like decades I think it was written originally in the 60s and came out in the early 70s mm-hmm. and I've always heard about this book and it's always been considered sort of a classic jazz literature or bio and also I know it's one of David Bowie's favorite book
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, is it on his list? Uh, it's of 100 could, uh, books, yes. Oh, okay. Another one we can tick off the list. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yes, this show has many, multiple, multiple purposes. <laughs> and um, the tone of the Mingus book didn't surprise me, but what surprised me is that I think such a, you know, for anybody who doesn't know who's listening, Charles Mingus is an exceptionally legendary, iconic jazz composer, bassist, occasional pianist who made numerous albums that are still in print and easily attainable, either by streaming services or even on vinyl. And um, he's an outlandish character, iconic character, in the same reign of, um, like, Miles Davis and uh, Thelonious Monk, mm-hmm. meaning he's a very eccentric, very colorful gentleman. Yes. And um, so I expect the Mingus book to be a book about his experiences as a musician, as a composer, and working with Miles Davis, and working a little bit with Duke Ellington and Max Roach. And when you think a book by Mings or by a musician, you're really going to get into that music world. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> there's very little music in this book. That's true. I mean, there's, he does acknowledge he's the bassist. <laughs> and he does acknowledge Miles Davis and Duke Ellington and, uh, and Max Roach. But really, the whole book is sort of focused on sex.
1: Well, that's a big part of it, for sure. But the childhood era, I thought, was... uh, Actually, that was my favorite part, was the childhood era. They had no sex,
0: the childhood era? Uh, Well, no, there was even in the childhood era. The sex started early. But um,
1: I just thought it was really interesting how he talked about growing up in Watts. And he was born in 1922, and so it was really interesting for us as Los Angelinos to read about L.A. in that era. Yes, it is. Um, Watts was a lot more diverse back then, I think. Um, I mean, it was still mostly predominantly people of color, but mm-hmm. it sounds like he had lots of um, friends, that, you know, Hispanic friends, Asian friends. Um, so it was I, now I think it's predominantly a black neighborhood. Yeah. But um, so it was interesting, I thought, to read that and um and i just liked all of, you know he really gets into the issues of race yes um and i thought his perspective on it was really interesting
0: it is because he he obviously has very strong yeah very strong he, doesn't he doesn't hide he doesn't hide and it, and he does expose is the, the racism of everyday life in yeah. los angeles or in america yeah. at the time and um Especially when he's talking about growing up as a white woman, about traveling as a white yeah. woman, which is sort of a life and death situation in a lot of cases. Especially
1: that, kid. yeah. I mean, then it was just—it's kind of hard to believe that he managed that.
0: He, yeah. You know, there's one part of the book. The, my favorite part of the book is actually when he's talking about touring with a two other musicians, like a trio. Yeah. And the other two guys are white. Yeah. And he brought his—I don't know if he was married to her or just a girlfriend, a yeah. girl, white girl, yeah, white woman. <laughs> like the spark song <laughs> <laughs> and and you know they have to do this whole thing where the other musicians have to sort of take the white girl down to the restaurant and then yeah. Mingus will join them later so it doesn't look like they're together yeah. or traveling the bus together well, and looks- she
1: would like uh switch rooms like so it would seem like they said she was married to one of the white guys yeah. and so then, you know they wanted to make sure the staff wouldn't see her leaving his room yeah yeah, it was just kind of the little dance they had to do was just And ridiculous. on top of that,
0: when they did a TV appearance, um, which I think was probably a big like, sort of network show at the time, um, they, the producers wanted Mingus not to be part of the uh, group, uh-huh. and that was sort of really yeah. interesting as well.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. So another thing that I thought was kind of interesting as I was reading, and I kept wondering, you know, your dad was about the same age. What year was your dad born? 1926? 1926,
0: and he was born in 1922. 1922.
1: Uh-huh. And I mean, so they must have been running in the same circles.
0: I They would have to.
1: I would imagine your dad probably saw Mingus at some point. He
0: must have. Yeah. My mom, I talked to my mom about this, um, that I'm reading the Charles Mingus book, and she remembers seeing Mingus live with Miles Davis. Yeah. Uh, in a Los Angeles club somewhere. Yeah. So, um, yeah, in theory, my father, Wallace Berman, who was a huge jazz teenage lunatic. Yeah. And the same generation as Charles Mingus. uh, used to go to South Central to, to all the jazz clubs, yeah. to see everybody. yeah. And uh, he must have ran into Charles Mingus. He never mentioned him to me, though.
1: Yeah, I was going to say because you're sort of fairly new to Mingus's music,
0: right? I'm. People are shocked.
1: Yeah, I was shocked when you told me that you hadn't really explored have, his I, music before. I have now.
0: extensive, like Duke Ellington. You, you have a huge jazz collection. I have a Miles that's pretty extensive, and I have a Thelonious Monk yeah. collection. And so, I've obviously, you know, I must be into Charles Mingus. If yeah. the great David Bowie is into <laughs> Charles Mingus, therefore, I must have. <laughs> have at least five (gasps) Mingus records, Uh, but I only have one Charles Mingus album that's uh, Oh Yeah.
1: Yeah, That's I'm shocked.
0: And the one he made was Max Roach and Duke Ellington, which is a a great record. Money Um, Jungle. Money Jungle. Really interesting record. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Because Mingus seemed to... That's another interesting thing about Mingus. He really... I mean, it's interesting how all the jazz guys, especially Mingus looked up to Duke Ellington. Yeah. You know, like Duke is like the... It's actually one of the few jazz figures in the book that he actually sort of talks about. And we're just talking about like two yeah. pages. Yeah, <laughs> Ellington
1: comes up a lot in the book, and yeah. he clearly idolizes him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and and, and I read this in the, uh, a biography on Duke Ellington, but the same story in the Mingus, and I think the author of the biographer of the Duke Ellington probably uses. this. Mingus Books is a source. Oh. But he talks about firing uh, Charles Mingus. Because uh-huh. Mingus went after one of, his, one of, El, El, one of Ellington's other players, a horn player. Oh. And they had like a fist fight on stage. Uh, <laughs> right.
1: Mingus is known for his uh, anger management yeah. issues.
0: And the other guy was like insane as well. Yeah. But Ellington says, you know, I can deal with this particular musician because he's been with me for a long time. Yeah. But I can't really afford to have... Another insane you can't Mingus. have two <laughs> two crazies, injury. yeah. That's <laughs> not a good combo. And the way <laughs> Ellington told it to Mingus, mm-hmm. who was known for his highly yes, tempered, short fuse, <laughs> yeah. he felt honored <laughs> 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 to be fired by Ellington. Well, if somebody's going to fire you. It might as well be Ellington. You don't get better than that. No, <laughs> no it's really interesting. So beneath the underdog, lots of sex. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even call it pornographic, but it's it is sort of like it's definitely not generally sex it's more of a crudish.
1: yeah, it's very braggadocio. Uh, and um definitely to me it reminded me a lot of the beats and people like Celine um you know, it's just kind of that's just kind of that macho stuff that those guys used to do you know you kind of I don't know as a woman it's
0: just kind of I roll my eyes
1: but you know just whatever but he
0: did have sex with 28 women one night
1: well okay so I think <laughs> I think now we need to get into the discussion of like you know autobiographies <laughs> and you know the veracity of, of the telling and I think what I, I liked how the very first page before you even get in the book, Mia yeah. says. Some names in this work have been changed and some of the characters and incidents are fictitious. Yes. So basically he's covering himself for all kinds of egregious sins that he's committing in this memoir. Oh the publisher. Yeah, yeah, so it's <laughs> like, you know, he just says some of it's, you know, made up. So well, you, you, there's no way you know what's made up in, Well, they
0: actually documented all the 28 women were there.
1: Where did you hear that? They got the,
0: they got the names <laughs> and they all talked about them. <laughs> Photos. There was a mistake. I mean, it was actually twenty nine? That that would make a great book right there. You know,
1: sort of like Warhol's uh, uh-huh. screen tests. So,
0: <laughs> so again, okay. So you got to think with the yeah. So a memoir or autobiography. Yeah. Um, a memoir to me. And I think we talked about this another episode
1: probably
0: um as to me is that person's story of their life or how they want to tell the story yeah. it doesn't have to necessarily be truthful it's how they see themselves as a character in their own story yeah. or other people in their story yeah. so i personally when i read a memoir autobiography you know i'm not looking for the truth i'm looking for that person's character exactly you know that's why i'm buying that book because It's the character of that person. Yeah. You know, if I want to read a biography, that means, oh, I really want to know the facts. I want to read the footnotes. I want to Mm -hmm. make sure everybody's, you know, Mm -hmm. interviewed is is identified and improved and and all that sort. But a memoir or autobiography, I really don't care.
1: Yeah, I feel exactly the same. I don't care how much of it is apocryphal. It's just as long as there's something meaningful there and, you know, you, you feel like you're getting to the greater truth. I mean, I still feel like I have a good sense of who Mingus is. I don't need to know how many women he slept with or didn't sleep with. 28. <laughs> 28, 29. That doesn't, you know, I still one one like One
0: evening, 28. Yes. <laughs> Impressive
1: man. <laughs> but, you know, I, you get a sense of who he is, whether that happened or not, because in his mind it happened, or he wanted it to happen. <laughs> yeah, it was thing. an important fact for him. So regardless as to mm. whether it happened...
0: It's a very unusual mm-hmm. book because usually, you know, when when a, someone writes a memoir, I mean, they do talk about childhood, sexual yeah. affairs, relationships. Usually, they talk about their profession a lot, right? You know, like they talk. I'm going to talk about my music because that's yeah. what I do, and I'm going to. I'm gonna drop names or mention names of the jazz world or music world or the classical world, but I can't think mean, of. I mean, there must be other book memoirs, but this book really focuses. Not on that world. It's like totally like Mingus's world of Los Angeles, yeah, and Watts and his feelings about the whole sort of pimp culture at right. the time, right. and and and, and what the, the only thing I find really shocking again is that is there not there's not a lot of music, yeah, and, you know, stories or stuff like that, Because yeah. you know for God, he must have like a real and he must have am- amazing stories about working with these. Yeah, people. Yeah, I
1: know it's interesting because I mean he was a really prolific. Composer yeah. and recording artist, and yeah, he's like there's scarcely any mentions of you know recording sessions or working on music.
0: Yes, and, and usually it was constant. And usually, when you read a musician's memoir, they always talk about that one album that's so special to them or the yeah. music a lot. But but yeah. Mingles, you know, he, I mean, anything he mentions about music is just sort of like a bypassing incident in his yeah. life. And yeah. I could, I know, music is important to him yeah i know he's a music obsessed i mean he's totally into that world mm-hmm. But for this book he sort of separates the music from his life as an american black man in in, in uh, los angeles or america in the yeah. uh, in the early 50s and 40s. and Yeah. Um, he doesn't get really specific about dates in this book.
1: No, not at all. I, I kept getting <clears throat> lost as to what time frame, you know.
0: I get lost by all the his women or girlfriends or wives. Yeah, yeah, I did too. <laughs> well, because
1: some of them would come and go. He'd meet up back with them again. And yeah, yeah, yeah. All the love affairs were crazy. But I think what was also really interesting about the book was that... Um, and very telling as to who he is as a person was that he kept changing the point of view. So, like the first chapter, he's talking to a shrink from in the first yeah. person. Yeah. But then immediately in the next, like two-thirds of the book he's he's narrating it in third person and like in the beginning he's calling himself my boy yeah and when he's a child and then as he gets older he says my man yeah you know and then he kind of switches it up periodically too and then yeah. sort of near the end he goes back to talking in first person and then he yeah. swi- he keeps switching so he's always sort of floating above the narrative of his own life
0: yeah it's interesting because you know the book was edited yeah it's edited by a woman named of, um yeah uh, Nell Keene. right uh, who was a white woman, mm-hmm. uh, and was an editor, and uh, worked in film. I think she wrote screenplays. Yeah. Um, and so the book, you know, the original the book was like, mm, I think it was over a thousand pages. Then yeah. he made like an eight hundred page manuscript. Yeah. So you know, he worked on and let other people work on this book, editing it down. Mm-hmm. So usually, you know, standardly you get rid of the first person, second person, third person, yeah, consistent. clean it you make up it a consistent. Bit. yeah. But that is not the case because that is, I think, the book. It reminds me of. Um, Boris Beyond. Because mm. Beyond will be talking totally first person throughout the whole book, and then all of a sudden he go into like third person mm-hmm. without explaining why, you yeah. know, how, why he's doing that. Yeah. Obviously, it's, it's done on purpose. It's not a, yeah. it's not a, it's not a grammar mistake or anything. Yeah. but um, So the Mingus book goes back to first, second, third yeah. people. And um, um, there is the, the context of him talking to a psychologist, telling his yeah. story about his life. Um and and, yeah, it goes back and forth, so it's not a book you can really read casually. I mean, you can, of course, but you have to sort of pay attention how the story unfolds in the sense,
1: yeah, I mean, I think there's sort of a lot of hidden depth. I mean, you can read it kind of fast. I thought you know, it has a definite rhythm to it. It mm-hmm. feels like a musician wrote it, especially a lot of it. You know, he'll repeat words, he'll say them very musically, the phrases will be very musical. But the, the whole identity thing, I mean, I feel like that's a huge theme of the book is his identity. You know, he's just, he's constantly in an identity crisis, both as to, you know, he's mixed race. He doesn't, he can't figure out where he fits in in the race scheme. And, he, you know, he talks a little bit in the earlier sections about, you know, he actually started out playing classical music. And that's mm-hmm. really what he wanted to do. But as a black man, he wasn't allowed to. He, he couldn't get a proper classical education. So we ended up doing jazz, but you know he did a lot of what I, I had never heard this term before. But when I was reading about it, a third stream, it's sort of a mix of jazz and classical music. Mm. So you know he was just constantly like fighting his identity. Is he American? Does he feel like he fits in? You know with the American culture? And I feel like that was a huge part of the theme of the book.
0: And he has mentors. Yeah. Uh, one is the pimp. I forgot his name. I'm sorry. It's a made up name anyway.
1: Yeah. Billy Bones. Billy Bones. Yeah.
0: Who is who's throughout the book. And he's sort of like a guidance for him, mm-hmm. and then the musician Fats Navar- Navarro, right. who's a like real, real, a real yeah. musician, and he too serves like a serves a mentor to uh, to uh, Mingus. And the way he talks, he sounds like an older guy, like an older, experienced person, you know, giving you know, the young Trolley,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, advice. But the fact that uh, Fats Navarro, real life, he died in his late twenties, yeah, you know, like from um, narcotics, and ill health. I think
1: he had had tuberculosis, but he also had drug issues.
0: But yet, when you read the book, it sounds like this is an older guy, like Fats. You think, oh, he must be a guy from Dixieland jazz from the early 1900s. But he was a contemporary. Yeah, a contemporary of his. Mm -hmm. But how Mingus looks up to these guys, it's sort of like older brother or... Yeah, you know, I'm really the, like a real strong, a real strong mentor. Yeah, um, well,
1: I think he really craved that. I mean, he talks a lot about the issues with his father, and his father doesn't sound like he was particularly supportive. And
0: no mention of brother or sisters, right? I don't think he, I mean, has, he does mention a sister his, at some sister? point. Yeah. yeah, I don't yeah. remember that.
1: Yeah, well, it's just sort of in passing.
0: But yeah, a lot of stuff is in passing here. Yeah. So it's, um, but the, you know, the dialogue. And the, I'm just going to read a little phrase.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. I had some that I like too. So go ahead. And
0: I'm just going to. I'm not talking, this is not reading for a narrative sake, I just like his language. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, um, he ta- in this part, he talks about. Um, well, I'm not going to tell you, this isn't the language. Yeah. So, there's a lot of dialogue in the book. Mm-hmm. As for a memoir, it's very rare to have dialogue. This is almost like script yeah, dialogue. Yeah. So, here's talking, you know, two people. Stop talking about dying and look out there at that beautiful bitch, I mean, That chick can save you. Her money can, says Tim. Old commercial, Timmy. Ha ha. So I'm commercial, but I'm the only cat here with a easy sorry, I'm the only cat here with a classy short. It's ain't no raggedy ford, it's a Cadillac. Nice clothes, a diamond ring, and a nice wife too. Oscar whispers to Mingus. Wow, nice. His nice old lady has got the craziest head which is distributed all over town. Oh yeah, is it like that? Chaz says, looking away. I'm telling you, that bitch makes you holler, man. She won't let go. Woo wee. Talking about good knocking on wood till I get that hood. Sure hope she ain't under misunderstood. When I'm about when I'm about to could, she eat my pudding cream while I'm dreaming shake that thing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I love the musicality. <laughs> All of the dialogue is just so rhythmic and musical, and it's um, very visceral. You know, it's just—it's um, a lot of fun. And again, I think it—it's a lot like the beats. It totally fits in with that. I know he gets compared a lot to that.
0: Yeah, and, and and yeah, and and no awareness or talk about that world whatsoever. No, or, no, 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 nothing no. about literature or um, Bartok is yeah. mentioned. <laughs>
1: Did he mention Bartok? He mentions
0: Bartok. Does he? Yeah, I don't recall. But, that. but it's a very, you know, but it's a very enclosed world. The Mingus book is very, very enclosed. Yeah. Alienated world that is. That and that, I, that, the other part of the book I really like is towards the end of the book when he goes into the mental hospital. Yeah,
1: that was really interesting.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting, he goes to the gate and says, I just, you know, I'm just exhausted. I yeah. need to rest. And the guy there says, you don't want to come here. Yeah. Tired. yeah. 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 You know, you're come through this doorway. It's another <laughs> you world. You gonna regret it. And then Mingus, no, I really need to, I, you know, there's something wrong with me, you know, mm-hmm. and I need to go here. And the guy says, it's up to you, uh-huh. you know, and then Mingus does go through that doorway and it becomes like a, you know, it becomes like a, a, hellish, a hellish yeah. nightmare yeah. for him. Which I think he conveys quite well in the book yeah I mean it's a very livid um, description of his life I't in, uh, in, yeah. um, do know he wasn't there for a long time, but it's obviously he made a mistake
1: right he made, yeah, he immediately realized it
0: and it's also about regret you know like regretting your mistakes yeah. and, and how you have to deal with it or how to get out of that yeah. and that that part where he goes to the mental hospital strikes me as a really um, a poignant um, period for him where he was heading towards a pathway, and he you know, he shouldn't have gone that pathway, but right. he, he, went yeah, the, he went for the gates. Yeah, I think in the
1: book, that's a big turning point. I mean, that's probably like two-thirds into the book, and then that's when he starts kind of going back to first person and talking mm. in the shrink, and yeah, definitely a big turning point in his life. Yep. So I don't know how much of that is true
0: I I got a funny feeling just because you think he's crazy, Mingus is crazy because yeah. he's considered crazy. I have a funny feeling the the um, the mental hospital is true. Yeah. I suspect. Yeah. I think the mental hospital is true. The twenty six women in one evening is true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that we we should talk about? The <laughs>
1: oh, I know. I did want to ask you. Um, the whole time I was reading it, I kept thinking about the writer Iceberg Slim, who I haven't read. Uh, but then I, I read I that article, I, and it said, it mentioned it as well. And I know you're a big Iceberg Slim I fan. actually,
0: when I read the book, I was thinking about Iceberg You were thinking Slim. Iceberg Slim, yeah. too. Due to language.
1: Because I think they said that that was a big part of why they left so much of the sex part and the pimping part into oh. it, because Iceberg Slim was selling so well at the time. Yeah. And... Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting.
0: Well, they come from the same part of the world. He, uh, Iceberg Slim is a Los Angeles guy as well. Okay. Uh, maybe they knew each other. I don't know. Yeah. But Iceberg Slim, in case you, anybody out there who doesn't know who he is, um, Iceberg Slim was a pimp, uh-huh. a black American pimp, uh-huh. who lived the pimp life. And he was a writer. And uh-huh. he wrote a book called Pimp. <laughs> 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 it's sort of similar to my book, Tosh. and um it's a great book because it no exposes that lifestyle Mm -hmm. but there's actually sort of a surreal quality to his writing he wrote other books too some fiction or more memoir type of writing but it's also a very isolated world of being a black american in a world of um selling women Mm -hmm. for money and the whole social structure yeah and um I don't, when I read Iceberg Slim, you can read it as a non-fiction book or a way to get insight into the black American experience of Los Angeles and, or anywhere in America for a black American, mm-hmm. especially dealing with, you know, prostitution. Mm-hmm. But what's fascinating is that it becomes, and the, and the Mingus book the same way, it becomes like a dream state. It's sort of yeah. like... You know, it's not—it's not—it's not like a nonfiction book. It's more almost like a David Lynchian view, yeah, or you know, or Boonwell,
1: yeah.
0: world of, of subject matter of prostitution and pimps. Mm-hmm. And Iceberg Slim is a really amazing writer. He's incredibly—he's um, 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 a—he's a really incredible um, presence in that world, and yeah. the way he projects that world. Yeah, and um, he also did a m- movie. Mm-hmm. called All Night Long. Have you heard of this film?
1: I think I was reading about it in one of the articles as I was doing research. It's English from a British movie. Yeah,
0: And it's like Charles Mingus, I think Max Roach, and I, first some reason, I think David Brubeck, which seems like a strange... Yeah. <laughs> and there's a long party scene where, um, uh, where um, uh, Mingus and uh, Brubeck and, <laughs> and Max Roach are playing... At this, like, like a party. Yeah. And it's a story about uh, a, a, a musician who has his own band, and it's based on Othello. Uh And Patrick McGoon, who is the prisoner, or secret agent man, uh-huh. the great Patrick McGoon, uh, plays the jazz, plays a white jazz drummer. Huh. So he's like ego to uh-huh. uh, this this guy who's like, has this band. Uh-huh. So basically, it's like takes place all one night, and uh-huh. Patrick McGoon is trying to get rid of a drummer huh. so I can replace him this band uh-huh. and in the background is like charles mingus doing music and stuff uh. i don't know if mingus wrote the soundtrack or is even mingus music huh but he's he he's plays in the... as charles mingus he has a character oh, that's
1: cool i wonder if that's readily available to watch
0: i have a dvd of it well, and i think it is and do. it's actually i think <laughs> it's streaming on uh, Calyp. oh okay canopy yeah oh, okay
1: cool um, so last week you did the bulk of the playlist, this week I will do the bulk of the okay, playlist. Okay, sounds good. Because I'm a, a bigger Mingus fan. Fair enough. <laughs> and I
0: can put a playlist of songs which I think is Charles Mingus, but not. Sort of like my imaginary Charles Mingus. Your imaginary. <laughs>
1: well, it's interesting because a lot of contemporary people, uh, current contemporary people, um, have covered his music. Um, like I was listening, I didn't even know this, but uh, Elvis Costello did some concert where he did a Mingus piece that he put vocals to. And um the last
0: project that Mingus worked on before he died was uh a Johnny Mitchell yeah, the album, Joni Mitchell which is called um, Mingus. Mingus. Have you yeah. heard it? Yeah, yeah. Is it good?
1: Um it's okay. So
0: anyway, I think that's it.
1: Yeah, all right. Well I think we both really enjoyed the book. Highly yeah, I recommended.
0: Beneath the Underdog is a great jazz book. Yeah. It's jazz not in the music sense, but in the jazz environment and the world of jazz, but without the actual jazz music, which is yeah. interesting enough.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, well, um, come back and uh, check us next time where we're going to be reading um, the John Doe book, not the new one, but the first one that came out a few years ago, Under the Big Black Sun, A Personal History of L.A. Punk. Tosh and I are both Los Angelinos, and we both uh, lived through that era. So We, li- we lived it. Uh, we'll be looking forward to discussing that with you all in the next uh, podcast, and you can check our website. It's uh, bookmusic.com dot com b-o-o-k-m-u-s-i-k dot com and you can uh, find links to all of our podcasts and our social media facebook and instagram so we will see you next time
0: bye bye